0: eligible items only exclusions apply see ebaymotors.com
1: you ready? showtime
0: on May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy
1: we are do doing later? let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes
2: December 28th will mark the 25th anniversary of Starcade 97, the culmination of a year-long build where Sting would finally step back in the ring to face Hollywood Hulk Hogan for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The stage was set for a main event to become immortalized in wrestling history, and it did, but for all the wrong reasons. And for the first time in over 20 years, on that 25th anniversary, Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick will reunite to watch back and discuss what really happened that night at the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., hosted by Conrad Thompson, a topic that led to one of the most heated exchanges in the history of 83 weeks.
0: And now you're going to act like it's ludicrous that we might think that that's what happened here when you managed to f*** up the single biggest moment in the history of wrestling, and now, 20 years later, you get on here and lie through your f***ing teeth and say it's because he wasn't taking.
2: I'm not lying
1: too much, Chief.
2: You? I'm finished just- over a pan. Is this real? Ad Free Shows presents a premium watch-along event, The Fast Count, with Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick. December 28th, 10 p.m. Eastern, immediately following AEW Dynamite. All $29 level members and higher are invited to join, and Top Guy members will be able to ask Eric and Nick questions about this controversial night in wrestling. No spray tan necessary. Sign up today and reserve your spot at AdFreeShows.com.
1: cold as a razor blade as tight as a tourniquet like the skin on a dying man i don't want a piece of the world i want the whole world i make my own rules because it's much easier that way trust me
3: What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and you are in the snake pit with Jake Roberts. And Jake, of course we couldn't do it without you, man. How are you?
1: I'm like a sore when you can't beat it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> man, you know, we really need Blue Chew as a sponsor this week, uh, with that line. Uh, yeah. what, uh what do you think, man? It's it's week three. Are you enjoying this this experience? Oh man, I'm having
1: a great time on the podcast. I think that um uh... I think the fans are going to dig this thing more than anything else that's out there. Uh, it's coming straight from the hip, as we talked earlier. I don't want to hear the questions; I just want them to hit me right in the face.
3: That's it, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, we're we're shooting from the hip this time. Uh, you didn't look at these questions beforehand. No. We're just gonna we're just gonna let it ride. And uh, let it me tell you G- me what it is that's it that's it and uh you know it's i know that this one's a personal favorite of yours it's a huge fan favorite and we got a ton of questions great so uh we might not get all, get to all of them but we'll do our best and let's not waste any more time jake we'll jump right into this thing let's do it bro All right. Instagram, a wrestling historian asks, you were the most popular choice to be the higher power for The Undertaker in 1999. Is that a story you would have liked to have been in? So Jake, in case you're not familiar with this, I don't know if you are or not. No, um, I wasn't. So the higher power storyline, it was a pretty controversial storyline in uh, 1999. It had a shit payoff, though, uh, where the Undertaker, he had this cult-like Ministry of Darkness. Um, and he was tormenting the McMahon family, abducted Stephanie. Vince got Austin on his side, only to reveal that it was him all along who was this higher power that Undertaker was taking orders oh, from. But, but all the fans back in 1999 were like, it's Jake Roberts. We know it's Jake Roberts. And then when it wasn't you, everybody was so pissed off. Well, if it hadn't been me, it would have worked. It's, I mean, the cult leader type figure with yeah, this Ministry yeah, of Darkness, yeah, man, right. just tailor-made for you and your snake.
1: Well, it's just, it's either, it either had to be me or Kevin Sullivan.
3: Oh, my gosh. I think the only problem with Kevin Sullivan is he's, what, like 5'7". Everybody would have seen him in this cloak. You're hey, right, i yeah. pull up the picture. There's, uh, there's Vince in this cloak. As everybody would have seen him and been like, ah, I think I might know who that is. Yeah. Did you ever get contacted by WWE or WCW no, in the man. 90s? No, I sure did, brother. I was, uh,
1: I, you know, it, it's on me because I was in a dark place and uh, certainly
3: not, not in any type of shape to be out doing anything, you know? So that's on me. Well, it, I mean, it's it's fun to think about what could have been, but man, you were, sure. you were, you were fighting your own battles in those days.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, it, it gives people something to ponder and and, and toss around in, in the old thinking mill. But uh, I don't like to think about it because it just reminds me it's another opportunity I screwed up. Right, know? and uh, I've got plenty of those. <laughs> I've Someone got plenty of those, but uh, those are those days are over, man. I've I've got greener pastures now, and uh, everything is so friggin' wonderful. You know, this last weekend we did the Diamond Dallas Page Christmas Party, which for you fans out there, if you ever wonder where all the Christmas toys have gone, they're at Dallas's house. <laughs> he's got, he's probably got 200 Santas. He's got trains going through the house. He's got, oh, he's got whatever you can think of. He's got like a, a herd of deer in his lawn out in his front yard. He doesn't have one or two. He's got a herd coming through there, man. But uh, he's got everything. He's got every damn gimmick there ever was about Christmas. He's a Christmas freak, you know, without a doubt. Probably the biggest probably the biggest freak I've ever known. He, he's got like nine Christmas trees in his house. Holy smoke. Not one, nine. Man. Every room has one, man. And, I mean, I can't imagine the time invested in putting all that stuff up and taking it all down. Oh. Of course, now Dallas doesn't do it himself.
3: There's the key. You know, because he's got
1: other people to do that. You know, he's got his Christmas people. It's probably a bunch of little elves or something running around his house. He probably got those kidnapped down in the basement. But um, it was well, a wonderful party. Over 200 people there at his house. That's wow. he, He's got a big house. But they were all there, and myself and Cheryl and uh Brandy went. My oldest daughter, she went. We watched some of the festivities for a bit and then we scooted, but it was a great time for
3: most of the people there man that's that's a hell of a turnout 200 people and uh, yeah you know it's something that i think wrestling fans are really interested in because we've heard stories over the years from WCW days you know how Dallas would throw these epic christmas parties every yeah. year. And uh, some pretty crazy shit happened at them from time to time. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, there was a little <laughs> bit of crazy at this one, but that's not for me to divulge.
3: That's all right. We'll, we'll kayfabe that situation. <laughs> 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 Just to be on the safe side. Well, yeah. so so you had mentioned that he's, uh, he's a big Christmas freak. And uh, the next person that we're bringing up here, he's also it might actually beat Dallas as far as being into Christmas um adam arpin asks leading up to the spin the wheel make the deal match were a series of interviews with you conducted by mick foley and mm-hmm. in retrospect with the great chemistry you both had do you wish you and mick had worked together in some kind of heel stable and hypothetically speaking who else would you have wanted to see beside the two of you in it
1: well definitely would have liked to have worked with mick you know uh, i think our styles would have matched up pretty damn good and uh, i don't think anybody would have gotten the way I'd like to see Terry Funk in there as a threesome.
3: Could you imagine?
1: Maybe make him the godfather of style or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Terry Funk would have been great to be in there. My God. Maybe even uh, Berserker. John Nord. He would have been good to be in there. (laughs)
3: Absolutely. He (laughs) would fit. He damn sure would, man. (laughs) I mean, uh, you mentioned Kevin Sullivan earlier. He feels like a layup for that situation, too.
1: Oh, no. Kevin likes to talk it. he don't like to throw it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. hey, or he doesn't mind dishing it out, but he doesn't want to take it.
3: Oh, I see. Well, that yeah. makes sense. Well, you know what? I, threesome- I think Mick and
1: I both enjoyed having it done to us. You know, that's kind of the strange part about some wrestlers is we like to, to be hit. You know, <laughs> it kind of fires you up, makes you want to do stuff. <laughs>
3: makes you feel alive. Yeah, It does. Well, I'm sure that working with this next guy made you feel alive at times. Uh, Drew Landry asks, you once said you drove Andre around in a van at times and got somewhat to know him. Uh, What is your favorite Andre story?
1: Well, it's probably that first time, you know. I mean, I was told to pick him up in a van and uh, drive him back to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, from Alexandria, Louisiana, which is only 110 miles. And uh, we left the arena and Andre... He's into, he was into this one-word thing, beer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd like for me to stop and get some beer, you know? <laughs> I get that. So I stopped him and I said, how much you want? And he said, case. I'm like, what? He goes, no, two case. Oh, my God. The dude, it, it's only 110 miles. I thought maybe he thought it was 300 miles or something, you know, because those Louisiana trips were like that. right. He's like, no, two case. So I went and got two cases for him and a six pack for me. So we start driving. Of course, I got to pull over and relieve myself.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So I did that like three times. I drink one, I piss three. I don't know what the (laughs) hell it is about me. I don't buy beer. I rent it. (laughs) It it doesn't stay in me long. But uh, what, what confused me on that whole trip was he finished his beer two cases he he drank 48 and uh 110 miles and of course i had to clean up the mess you know the cans were everywhere (laughs) and uh i'm cleaning up the mess and i'm like being really careful not to touch the carpet because i just know for a fact he's pissed on the carpet
3: oh no he didn't want to get out and pee
1: right that's what i I figured right but then, you know, I touch here, I touch there. And now instead of being worried about it, I'm trying to find out where he pissed. So I'm <laughs> patting down the whole damn van. And I never found a place where he pissed. So, you know, what impressed me is that he could drink two cases of beer and not have to piss. I mean, how big is his bladder?
3: Good Lord. You know,
1: it's got to be as big as a basketball or something. So I, you know, <laughs> or even a- bigger. But, um, yeah, that, that kind of blew my mind, man.
3: Wow. So, 48 beers at about 100 miles. So, it's yeah. like a, a beer every two minutes or something.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> it, pretty... you, know, you put a beer in his hand and you couldn't see the camera.
3: So, like know? for us, like those little cocktail, uh, right. cranberry. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Oh, my god, you
1: look at Red Bull in my hand, you know. <laughs>
3: uh robert vornberg asks jake huge fan of yours since i was a kid my question is how do you feel about the raven character He obviously had some draw he had drawn some inspiration from you especially in his promos
1: you know that the greatest form of uh flattery is bad is when when somebody imitates you you know and uh I, i definitely seen where he'd stole from me some people call it stealing i call it being smart you know, there's there's not a, there's not anything new left to do. It's all been done before. So if you're gonna do something, steal from somebody that was pretty damn good at it. And he did. So I had no problem with it at all. Yeah, it's like a, the even flow DDT. I thought for years, man, that was a baby bottle, you know, because baby bottles are even flow. But <laughs> come to find out it, it had some musical thing to do behind it.
3: Yep. Uh God, I can't remember. I think it's a Pearl Jam song
1: yeah i can't remember man
3: uh so interestingly too and this isn't a question this is just me remembering i remember it was 98 uh and it was spring break in wcw (laughs) he got on the mic and he started talking about you it was this feud Uh with ddp and he said the snake is watching and i know he approves what i'm doing there was was he contacting you about trying to get you into wcw at the time no absolutely
1: not
3: so he's just he's just nobody contacted
1: me about doing much of all i can do it
3: He's just having a little fun out there on his own, huh?
1: Yeah, he was trying. He's being smart. You know, when he threw that out there, what does that do? That makes everybody that's listening think, "Uh oh, something's going on. Jake Roberts is going to be around here somewhere. And it makes people think. That's what you want to do on an interview. You want to make people think.
3: And he was a hell of a promo, like yourself. Uh, Very, very cerebral. And to your point, this whole idea of saying the snake is watching, it kind of makes it sound like, well, Jake the snake supports this guy, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially uh, destroying DDP. That's no doubt. Uh, Eric H. asks, what inspired Jake's signature handlebar mustache? You've had it for years, Jake.
1: My nose.
3: Your nose? My nose. What about your nose?
1: Well, without a mustache, I look like Ric Flair.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I hear get called beak by a few people. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, big bird. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I saw a picture of you once where, and I, I want to say you were in Florida or something, and you had a full beard. And I was like, that yeah. is a that's a unique look. What made yeah. you decide against going with that?
1: Ah, uh, that was just a wild hair up my ass at the time. You know, I was young, trying to trying to figure out what ca- what kind of facial hair I wanted, what kind of look I wanted. So I tried a couple of different things, and the mustache works, but uh, the rest of it didn't.
3: I would say it panned out. Uh, you get compared to, to, to another famous mustachioed guy, Sam Elliott, quite a bit. Not yeah, only, not I do. Voice.
1: You know, I actually had a very large magazine contact me one time and want to interview my mustache. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told them it would be better asking the girls that wrote it <laughs>
3: than to ask me. You know? I'm sure they've got some stories.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'll regret telling that one. (laughs) Just kidding, Cheryl.
3: (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Chris White asks, Jake, we know you manage Lance Archer in AEW, uh, but is there another talent out there that you would have wanted to manage? So we know that you love managing Lance, uh, but if Lance just hadn't been in AEW, is there somebody else that you think you could have worked well with?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean (sighs) – uh, the, the Mexican guys man uh what's his name
3: uh, oh uh are you thinking of the lucha bros yeah,
1: yeah 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 lucha brothers
3: yeah that would have been cool
1: yeah i think that would have been great with them um there's other people too i mean Miro. I think I'd have been good with Miro.
3: Oh, man. That would have been really cool. That's a unique yeah. pairing. I know that you know Eddie Kingston certainly doesn't need anybody to talk for him. He's a good talker in no. his own right, but I feel like you and he, or would you just make an interesting
1: pair? It would have been a very interesting pair,
3: for sure. Eddie works his ass off, and I appreciate that. Unique, unique character like yourself. If you're looking for an incredible holiday gift, you can look no further than our friends over at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Jake, they're the best, and they're famous for a reason. They aren't just Baltimore's best. They're not just Maryland's best, but they are the best in the country when it comes yeah. to making crab cakes, soups, the oysters, uh, signature steaks, desserts, and gluten-free items. Uh, they've been in business for over 40 years and have been featured on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, Beat, Bobby Flay, and more. And Jake, our listeners across the country can enjoy what Jimmy's has to offer because they ship food nationwide
1: wow i had no yep. idea they did that
3: yes sir now i, I know
1: a... what i want for christmas
3: the, right uh and it's six not six
1: dozen oysters <laughs> so
3: you've eaten at jimmy's before
1: oh yeah
3: man it's... several
1: times man are you kidding
3: it's become kind of a pro wrestler staple whenever yeah, uh, the absolutely. boys are in, in baltimore the guys
1: go there man. and
3: there. and with good reason they've set the standard not just for crab cakes but for seafood
1: oh man their steaks are wonderful too
3: Yes, sir. And, and Jake, to your point, you said you know what you want for Christmas. It's I mean, it's nearly here, and you don't want to be that guy that shows up to some Christmas party with some store-bought cookies or a boring yeah. fruit tray, right?
1: Walk in with Jimmy's Seafood, man, and you'll be a superstar, I promise you. You'll
3: be the damn star of the show. And oh, Jimmy, He's got you covered. Uh, they've got several packages that make great holiday gifts, such as the famous gift box, which includes four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two, oh. different, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Or you can try the tailgate bundle with two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a plate of crab dip, and the crab cake mix. Uh, hey, better yet, why not create your own gift box? They've got that option, too. You can piece wow. it together and make sure that you get exactly what you want for your holiday gathering.
1: Man, I'm so happy Jimmy's just oh, man, that's
3: awesome, bro. Uh, dude, I, I know what I'm doing for Christmas. I'm, yeah, I'm about yeah. to order Jimmy's. And uh, we haven't even gotten to the best part yet, Jake. Our listeners it's free with uh, almost the shipping oh, okay. is free. Uh, oh, shipping free. Okay. Our listeners can enjoy free two-day shipping nationwide on oh, orders shit. over one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Now, this is going to excl- that excludes steamed crabs or any fresh items. Of course, you can't be shipping that stuff across the nation. Oh, man. Um, all they have to do is go to Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com and use our promo code Snake. That's Jimmy's Famous and promo code SNAKE, S N A K E. And you can get free two day shipping nationwide and get there. Yeah. And, yep. And you can get your order just in time for the perfect holiday meal. So, one more time, Jake, that's Jimmy's Famous and the <clears throat> promo code is SNAKE.
0: Passion, drive, and patience, the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See
3: ebaymotors.com. Next up, we've got Scott Golden, and he asks, Jake, I work in addiction recovery and commend your journey. What do you think wrestling slash entertainment, the, the wrestling slash entertainment industry as a whole could do to help talent avoid addiction?
1: Just be upfront, man. That's, that's what I've, I've found out that it, you know, it's hard sometimes to take down the curtain and let people see what you really are,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's not a bad thing. I know from my experience, since I took down the curtain and, uh, showed people the trouble that I'd been through, that I've been able to help hundreds, if not thousands of people. And there's something special that and happens when you help somebody that needs real help. And it's an incredible feeling. I didn't think there was anything to compare with the rush that you get in the ring from performing but there is. If you help someone that's in dire need, man, it makes you feel pretty damn good about yourself. And I love doing it. I do it daily. Uh, got several people right now underneath my wing that we're trying to get them there and they're doing pretty good, you know, but it, you know, they're all not success stories either. And that's the hard part. Mm hmm. When, when somebody falls and does not want to get back up, that pisses me off. And I have to really watch my temper there because I feel like saying some bad stuff that wouldn't do anything but hurt people's feelings. And I, I, that's the last thing I want to do.
3: It's hard, man. You can't help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves. No, which, man. Why which do you want to something... land shit? Right which is something no. that i think is really remarkable about you because you had such a hard time for so many years and yeah. then all of a sudden it, it's you you just do a complete 180 um, yeah. which is which is nothing short of incredible you know it's really hard well, to, to get yourself out of that funk
1: it is man when you do something like i did for 30 40 years and then to drop it all and change completely it, it's remarkable it's mind-boggling you know it really is
3: and, honestly uh, like unheard of to after that many years of of habitual use. It's it's nuts. But,
1: you know, you can only take so much, and I couldn't take any more of anything. And I think that's probably what helped me get there was the fact that I was beaten down to the point of not wanting to live anymore. You know, I was begging to die. And uh, when you get to that point, you're, you're pretty much willing to try anything, to try anything and to get, out. Uh, to get out from underneath some of that. And uh, that's where I was at.
3: Man, just an incredible journey you've had. Uh, if you haven't seen the Resurrection of Jake the Snake documentary, I know it's been around for a while, but if you haven't yeah. seen it, you have to watch it. It's it's yeah. a remarkable film. Um, show, I did want to, show it to
1: somebody that needs it.
3: Yes. Um, I did want to kind of piggyback off of Scott's question there a little bit. Uh I've heard, I think it was Kevin Nash say in the past, that um if if vince mcmahon would have stopped testing for marijuana um then there wouldn't have been so many guys who were struggling with with somas now it might not have been kevin nash i don't want to bury him or put words in his mouth so i I know i heard it somewhere um do you agree with that notion
1: absolutely absolutely you know uh, that certainly opened the door for me to do cocaine was whenever i couldn't do any more weed You know, I just wanted some relief, you know, from from everything that I was struggling with in my head. So cocaine, you could do it. And within 72 hours, you're clean again. So you're still rolling the dice, you know, of losing your job. But, you know, that just goes to show you how powerful the drug is. I didn't give a fuck. Right. I went ahead and did it and got busted for it a couple of times, you know. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I think marijuana is a is a, is a great answer for a lot of things, you know, they're just now starting to touch, just break the ice on the the positive things that marijuana can do. I know I would much rather my children and my grandchildren to smoke weed than to drink alcohol. Yep. Uh, from my own experience, I never got in a fight once whenever I was smoking weed if I was drinking whiskey, by God almighty, there's going to be a fight before the night's over. I guarantee it.
3: Well, um, and this story has kind of reminded me, and then we can get back into the questions. I, I want. Were you around when that whole thing happened with Sheik and Jim Duggan and they, they were yeah, caught by the police? Yeah, it, What What was your take? I mean, in oh, that moment where you were you like, man, I got to clean my act up, or, or what were you thinking?
1: No, not me, bro. Not me. I was like fucking idiots who got caught. Oh. <laughs> you know? But the, the sad thing was, you know, a lot of that wouldn't have happened if she if she hadn't have been in that car. You know, cause Duggan wasn't gonna do the stuff that was being done in there. Right. Not openly. You know, and if you've ever been in a situation around a sheik, you know, real quick that as soon as you get pulled over, the sheik's gonna get out and do his whole spiel which doesn't impress anybody, it pisses you off, you know, <laughs> and he's telling those cops off and he's, you know, he's, you know, he badgered them, man. He got all over them, you know?
3: Oh man. Thank God and, that Jim's that Jim's dad was a, a chief of police in New York. Oh my
1: God. It was horrible, man. Jim had to, you know, I felt so bad for Jim because uh, just a few weeks after that happened, his father was being honored oh. for being a police chief for so many years. They had a big banquet for him. The governors were there, were two or three governors there to honor him for the work that he had done over the years. And of course, here's the black eye sitting up here by, beside him, you know, his God. son who just got busted, you know, and,
3: <laughs> his uh, famous son who's been yeah, in his headline. Oh, just yeah, it was real
1: tough on Jim. And I went to bat for Jim because I'd never known Jim to drink beer. You know, he was a vodka guy. And uh, when Vince called me and told me, he said, Well, you're a buddy. You know, I don't know how I get that. All of a sudden, the guy that fucks up, he's my friend.
3: He's your friend. Yeah. You know,
1: my friend. You know, it's not, it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's making you millions of dollars, Vince. Okay. I get it. But right. he's my friend now. And it must be my fault somehow just got busted with the iron cheek and I went to bat for Jim and I said, wait a minute. You said he was drinking and driving. No, Jim Duggan. Wouldn't do that. No fucking way. Cause yeah. I just knew that he did not drink beer, you know? And then of course, several months later, I asked Jim, I said, can you believe that fucking McMahon tried to tell me you were actually drinking beer? I know better than that. He goes, no, I was. Uh- oh fuck. I oh just my buried myself, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you've
1: yeah, man trying to trying to stand up for my buddy, and I'm just breaking that stick off my own ass.
3: And what well, it's it's understandable if anybody here's ever talked to Jim or met Jimmy's like it, it's just not in his personality. You're right.
1: No, no, man. Jim is a wonderful, wonderful guy, man, and uh, he just. He put himself in a bad situation, and you put yourself in a bad situation enough times, something bad's going to happen sooner or later. It's not going to be anything that washes off either. And uh, it took some time for Jim to get back to the WWF, and uh, it cost him a lot of money, a lot of money.
3: Man, just unthinkable. And he's a young man at the time. And you know, yeah. I, to put it put things in perspective for a lot of people, it's uh, imagine you're in your 20s. All of a sudden you're famous, you've got a lot of people approaching you wanting to give you free things. There's a lot of women around you wanting oh, wanting to be with you. Yeah. Like I know that if I had been in that position in my twenties, I would have been a complete piece of shit. And I think yeah. a lot of I think a lot of people would have been. It, you know? it happens that
1: way. You know, you look at these NBA basketball players that they get these multi-million dollar contracts. Watch them blow their money. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's something we're not ready for. Nobody at school teaches you that you're going to make $20 million in just three or four years. You know, it it just doesn't happen. I mean, they don't teach you how to get ready for that. And which I'm very grateful for everything I ever made, but man, I could have damn sure done without the vultures.
3: No question. Because the
1: vultures come out of their woodwork, man. And you're now a prized piece of meat that's being being displayed, ready to be scooped up and chewed up and spit out. And uh, I got conned two or three times over large amounts of money that uh, anybody in their own, own real mind wouldn't have done what I did and got involved in those, with those people. But I did because I trusted them. Oh, man. You got to be careful who you trust, man. <laughs> you know, You really do. Especially if you're talking about your bank account,
3: and you know if you're under your 30s, uh, you you haven't really developed uh, maturity yet, and all no. of a sudden, like so, of course, you're gonna make mistakes, and, and uh, unfortunately, make mistakes,
1: man, you can't wait to try the next
3: mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's uh, good to put this kind of thing in context because I I don't think a lot of people look at it from that lens. Um, no they don't, man. So next question, we've got Philip Lane and he's asking if you never went into the wrestling business, what Mm -hmm. occupation do you think you'd have been interested in? A mass murderer. A mass murderer. Yeah. I mean, you know, would you have had a snake, though? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) definitely.
1: You've got to put in mailboxes. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Mail a snake would have been hot, man. (laughs) You know, if I'd never become a wrestler, I would have uh, probably followed my other dream, which was become an architect. Uh, I really enjoy looking at old buildings and uh, seeing how they were put together and how, how sturdy they are. I mean, when I went to Europe, man, and uh, spent some time over there, I was going in buildings that were 1,500 years old, 2,000 years old. And our country wasn't isn't that old yet. We got a very new country here that we're living in. Yep. You know it's only five hundred years old, six hundred years old, whatever. and i'm I'm eating a restaurant over there and find out that the restaurant was opened in the year seven hundred. Oh my God. And it's still open.
3: <laughs> that is wild. I went to
1: I went to the oldest pub in England. It was open in the year six something. I can't remember the exact number, but six hundred and something. And the ceilings were about five foot five tall because people back then were a lot smaller, right. So I'm in there like leaning down like this, trying to drink a beer on the side of my head. You
3: You could be sitting out and your head would be touching the ceiling in there. Pretty
1: much, pretty much. But I love the architecture, man. And, uh, you know, just, it's just amazing stuff that you see over there. I mean, for instance, the sewage system in London was built by the Romans and it still works.
3: That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, we can't get something to work over here for forty eight hours, much less than two thousand years.
3: Right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they weren't using a lot of plastic and stuff back then. Uh True the cheap that. materials um,
1: just, to, just with sex toys.
3: Yeah, well yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we've actually got one from producer Dom. Uh, he wants to know how much of an impact do you think Scott Hall would have made as WWE champion?
1: Scott could have carried it. Scott could have carried it. He would have carried it well. You know, when Scott was on, brother, there's not many people out there that can hang with him. You know, he, he was a huge man. Huge man. And he could move. And very colorful. But uh, what if?
3: He had that you know? kind of intangible it factor about him. Uh, yeah. People were drawn to him. He was just cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think of what he could have done with the run you know as as champion vince was looking to these bigger guys uh he wound up going with kevin nash which you know worked out great nash is a legend in his own right but man it's you know uh, Razor ramon had a lot of fan support
1: yeah but Razor ramon also had
3: issues i think that you that's know? probably what's at the core of it all right
1: you know right there right there lays the problem man you can't uh you can't put all your bacon in a bag that may have a tear in it you know
3: yep It's unfortunate, man. Scott, what a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Got missing. I just Um,
1: seen his boy. His boy was uh, at Dallas' Christmas party. Um, Cody Cody, Hall. Yeah, yeah, Cody was there. Big as shit. God damn, he's huge.
3: He's what, like six foot eight?
1: He's six foot seven, six foot eight. Yeah. He's a big son of a bitch, man.
3: Independent wrestler in his own right. I yeah, believe he, yeah. he picked it back up. Yeah. And man, uh, it's, he's somebody you out but for. The best. Yeah, yeah.
1: nothing but the best. Hope he gets it.
3: Great look, great athlete. I'd love to see him do something.
1: Yeah.
3: Next up, we've got Gavin. He asks You broke in as a referee. Oh, God. Look at that picture. Uh, I hate you, you guys. <laughs> do you prefer refs that are demonstrative, like Tommy Young, or the refs that you don't notice until it's time to count the three?
1: Well, you you want a ref that you don't notice till it's time, but you also want a ref that's in control. You know. Uh, I always preferred a ref that called it down the middle and uh, called what he seen. and it chew a babyface's ass as quick as a heels. And I, I think it's so important for the heels to respect their authority a lot of heels think they get heat by not listening to the refs. No, you don't. All you do is put heat on the referee. Yep. You know, and that's something you don't want to do. So, uh, no, I, I, re- I definitely wanted a ref that, uh, would get in your face if you did something wrong, but not Tommy Young.
3: Not Tommy <laughs> Young. <laughs> what were your, what your, what were your experiences like as a ref? Did you enjoy it? Did, were you just dying to become a wrestler instead?
1: No, I, I really loved it, man. Uh it was a great place to learn, you know, you get the, you get the opportunity to be in the ring without being a wrestler where everything's on you, you know, and by being a referee, you learn how to move in the ring, you learn how to, to be places in the ring where you need to be. And, uh, you, you learn how to take the people and, and work the people and you can learn a lot by referee. And I think it, it should be something everybody does.
3: Uh what would you say and I'm putting you on the spot see if you remember uh what would you say was the most high profile match that you were a referee in
1: Oh god I can't remember bro
3: No it's I know it's uh, many many years ago Well
1: Bill res, referee in Bill Watts against Dick Murdoch
3: Now that's a hell of a match Uh
1: referee in Bruiser Brody against my father
3: Another hell of a match wow Uh
1: referee Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen against anybody was <laughs> man, an experience. What a, what a those two were. It was an experience, my friend. Let's just say I was quick on my
3: feet. I've heard that Bruiser Brody was uh quite a personality behind the scenes. Oh yeah. You have yeah. any you have any Bruiser Brody stories? No,
1: I don't, man. Well, I guess I do. Here's this guy that's so friggin' big, man. He has shit, his muscles have shit. He has shit in his muscles. I mean, muscles in his shit. That's what I meant to say. He has muscles. His turds have muscles. That's how many muscles he had. But he, uh, we went to Mississippi back in the day, and they had had that outbreak, uh, sleeping sickness outbreak from the mosquitoes. Mm. And Brody was absolutely fucking terrified of these mosquitoes. He had like 10 cans of off in his car and whenever it come time to go to the building, man, he's carrying them in the building. He's spraying as he goes in the building. He sprays the locker room down and hell man, a couple of times in the match I'd go like I was killing a mosquito and he fucking, <laughs> Oh shit. And he'd dive for the corner and grab a can of off and chase me around the ring with it, you know? <laughs>
3: A guy that big, worrying yeah, about mosquito. dead, that's,
1: dead mosquitoes.
3: That's a wild, wild thought. Um, Sean Mentz asks, Jake, will you be doing any more dates on the Dirty Details tour for 2023?
1: Absolutely, man. We are fixing to blow it wide open, starting in February. I'll be giving you guys these dates as they uh, as they get melted together. But yeah, we're gonna go out with several. Uh, weekly runs where I do four or five days in a row. And we're probably going to start uh, in the Ohio area. And then we're going to go up to New York, Boston, back down south to Philadelphia, all through there, all of New York State. Yeah, we're going to be blowing it up, man.
3: Man, I never back on had the, the road pleasure. again. I never had the pleasure of going to it, but I'm going to it this year. No, well, you're uh, not.
1: I'm keeping you banned.
3: Oh, come on! I, I, I'm fucking <laughs> for a free ticket. <laughs> you're not getting a free fucking
1: ticket. Hell, <laughs> I'm charging you triple.
3: Well, it was worth a shot. Oh yeah. Um, Yambang Yambag Jones asks, "Would you have ended the Undertaker streak?"
1: No. What it's for? A,
3: no, I agree
1: what for i'm who i am man i've already got mine uh i i don't think his streak should have been ended i I really don't i think that was a big mistake
3: so that was not not if you personally would end it but if anybody would have ended it Uh. I,
1: i wouldn't i wouldn't let anybody end it
3: why really Here's the thing, too, is it wound up being Brock Lesnar who put a stop to it. And it's like, Brock Lesnar is already pretty established. Like, if you're going to do it, yeah, he was. Use somebody that's new. Right. Get somebody over big time. Get somebody over, but
1: stick to a guy that's already over.
3: Right. That was my thought when I saw it.
1: Big mistake
3: um melissa cody asks what's next for you in aew i think t shake tk should entertain the idea of the snake pit live on dynamite that's a fun thought
1: oh that would be fun man i'd get myself in all sorts of trouble there
3: uh picturing some of the problems you could have in guests.
1: holy uh, shit
3: ooh, man,
1: I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be i'd be i wouldn't be at the bottom of the barrel i'd be under the barrel <laughs> no, I, you know, whatever whatever AEW wants out of me on there, whether it's managing Lance or doing something in the behind the scenes with uh, trying to help kids. You know, uh, I've been approached to do something where we, we visit hospitals and stuff, and I'm very, very, very excited to do it.
3: That's awesome. It's
1: near and dear to my heart. Hopefully, we'll be able to hit some rehabs too. Or we could talk to some people, see if we can't help them break the corner and break out the madness, man.
3: Well, that would be fantastic. And, you know, honestly, any any way that you can be involved, whether it's on TV or, as you said, behind the yeah, scenes, yeah. You're, you're of value, that's for sure. Thank you. Uh, we've got Bleak Outlook next, uh, which is a, a depressing name. Bleak Outlook asks, does Jake have any outdoor hobbies like hunting or fishing?
1: I love fishing, man. I love fishing. I would hunt if the animals had guns.
3: (laughs) You want to give them a fighting chance. And you know what, Jake? If you want to continue to stay active... Make an investment in your health, there's mm. no better solution than AG1 by Athletic Green. That
1: right.
3: I still do it. Every morning, and it's been 10 weeks for me now. I started using AG1 uh, you know it's over two months ago, and the difference that I've experienced when it comes to energy, health, overall wellness, it's just unbelievable. No more taking multivitamins, no more supplements every morning to get myself where I need to be, no more adding a million ingredients to put together a healthy shake, and no more spending 10 minutes cur- thoroughly cleaning out the blend afterwards ag1 makes it all completely easy Uh, with one delicious scoop i get 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to start my day off on the right foot these ingredients support gut health my nervous system my immune system recovery focus and most importantly for me it was always about energy In just 10 weeks, I feel like a new man, and it's really become part of my daily routine, Jake. It's easy, it's convenient, and most importantly, it works. They've got more than 7,000 five-star reviews, and you'll understand why when you try it. And Jake, that's not even the best part of it all. It costs less than $3 per day, which is a pretty small price to pay when it comes to making an investment in your health, right? Damn straight. Man, it's time. Go reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, and uh, let's make it easy, folks. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free (coughs) one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Get started when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash DDP snake. Yep, we're still using that one for the rest of the year. That's athleticgreens.com. Yep. By the end of the year, we'll have a new one. But for right now, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash DEP snake to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So, can't say enough good things about athletic greens, man.
1: You really can't, man. They, they make it way too easy. I wish back in the day they would have had something like that instead of we're eating 50 and 60 liver pills, you know, desiccated liver. That was a big thing for a while my god eating 50 or 60 liver pills man give oh, me a
3: break i can't imagine it oh my god man Nah, and look it, 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 makes easy. it makes you feel like a million bucks it's you cannot go wrong with athletic greens guys i'm on it damn straight let's jump oh, no, back I've in no, i've noticed a big difference man yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, not only, as you and I mentioned, you don't have to take all those damn pills every morning where you feel like you just had a full breakfast before you yeah. eat anything. Yeah, you know, just lay in your gut and ferment. <laughs> oh, yeah, no thanks. AthleticGreens.com forward slash DDP Snake.
2: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
3: Now, let me start over, Jake. Jake, you... how, did, how did you feel about <laughs> the pop? Easy to say. It. <laughs> I know. I'm stumbling all over the athletic greens. It got me all worked up. Um, Jake, how did you feel about the pop you got when it, when you first appeared on oh AW Dynamite in March 2020? Big reaction. Incredible reaction. If you go back to that
1: picture, you can see that all the fans are standing, too.
3: Let's have a look there. Look at that.
1: That don't happen very often anymore.
3: No, it does not and uh, let me tell the you
1: here when i walked out there and that rush hit me oh my god and then whenever i touched the ring apron i could just feel it come right you know right back through me man and uh i was i felt like you know i was at home again it had been so long it had been so long it had been 20 years wow. since i'd been in the ring and to go out there and have that type of ovation happen and uh, to be doing it in the room, ring with Cody, just it couldn't have been any better.
3: Man, it's such a talented performer, as you said, Cody. You're in there with him, and you delivered a hell of a promo, a great mic yeah. drop, not about not turning your back on somebody that you respect.
1: Or uh, feared.
3: Or feared. Man, it was it was something else.
1: Yeah, I nailed another one.
3: Excited to see you. <laughs> excited to see you back on on TBS or TNT, hopefully soon um eric asks any updates on your autobiography
1: man i i have to apologize to everybody man i've just been dragging my feet on finishing that book i need to get on it and do it but i i just you know i'll start to do it and then i'll sit there and think about it i I rethink i double think i triple think and then i begin to stink you know, I just, I wind up just putting it back down. No, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And I don't know if it's a fear of failure or a fear of not just wanting to, for it to be over, you know, because I put so much into that book. I mean, it's 600 pages long right now. Wow. And I'm just going into the WWF show. <laughs> you know? So that kind of tells you how complex it is, how, how in depth I go to all the situations that we go through. But uh, it's my life, man, and I'm going to do it my way. Dude, Hopefully before
3: Easter. It's exciting. It's exciting to think about a book that's that long. You know, we don't get very many of those. They're, they normally hover around 300 pages, somewhere in there. Yeah. So to think that, you know, yours could be upwards of 1,200. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Man, that sounds fantastic. Dude, you might have break it. Kind of <laughs> well, I'm excited for it. Next up, we've got Eddie Prather, and he asks, who are some of your favorite opponents to work with?
1: I had so many favorite guys. One of my all-time favorites would have been Lynn Denton, uh, the grappler. He was called the grappler, and uh, he's the guy i invented been to the DDT with. We had some phenomenal matches. Barry Windham, a young Barry Windham. By the way, I want to reach out to Barry right now and hope you're feeling better, bro. I know you stumbled at the airport and had a little problem. Take care of that ticker, bro frightening we don't, we don't need to lose you man one of the horsemen we gotta have you around love you barry but um
3: barry's one of a kind and he does yeah. have a GoFundMe going right now um and we will share that out on social media at snake pit pod donate to donate to barry whatever amount you can helps yeah. he's got some big medical bills in front of him and oh man that's th- that's a guy who's given a lot to professional wrestling
1: yeah he's given his whole life and his whole family did I mean, Christ, his dad did too. And, but I had some phenomenal matches with Barry back in the oh, late late seventies, early eighties, in uh, Florida and Florida Championship Wrestling, and just really enjoyed them. But Lynn Denton, Barry Wyndham, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, the list goes on and on, man. I, I don't think I ever had a bad match other than one. I don't even want to bring it up, so I'm not.
3: Well, I can vouch for that. I've seen you, uh, I've seen a lot of your work over the years, and man, it's it's fun watching you. Uh, very fluid in the ring. Uh, and gee. yeah, it's you, you're one of those guys who could kind of work with just about anybody. Johnny Gringo is up next. He goes, who's one person from today that you would like to have had a feud with if you could? Uh, so if you could go back to your wrestling prime, Jake, mm-hmm. right now, who from today would you work with?
1: Oh my God. Oh, well, definitely the tag team. Uh, what is it?
3: Uh, FTR,
1: FTR, but I want them in singles matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to, have, I, I would like to have done something with uh Chris Jericho.
3: Man, that would have been I a lot we of could fun.
1: have uh, done some stuff, and uh, oh. The other Jake, uh, Jake, um, Jake Hager. Hager, I'd like to get with him. I think I think I could have helped him a lot in the ring. I mean, he's an animal. But if he just let me drive for a little while, I think I could show him some shortcuts.
3: It's fun to think about you as the manager for him too. I think that could be a oh, that, hell of a combo.
1: Yeah, what a tag team that would be, huh?
3: No doubt. Whew. <laughs> uh next up we've got jennifer wadsworth uh and she asks any george the animal steel stories i loved him as a kid i feel like you yeah a good one.
1: yeah i got a good one i've seen that i was going to have to wrestle george and you know how uh, how they do the great build up for a cage match you know two guys will wrestle each other Then two guys will get in a fight over this or that. And you know, the angle is done where this guy does this to this guy and he's got to come back and try this. But Oh my God, the, the manager got involved. No, we're going to settle this once and for all. We're going to put them in a cage and they'll fight each other to the finish. That's the way it normally goes. But George and I look up and we're doing interviews for all this shithole of a town. I called it Scrotum, Pennsylvania, but it's Scranton. (laughs) I know Scranton. (laughs) Yeah. And we're booked in Scranton in a cage match, but we've never wrestled each other.
3: Who booked that shit?
1: Well, Diabu, wasn't me, brother. (laughs) So I realized I'm going to be in the ring with George with no fucking place to go. Now, George Steele, had one of the worst looking punches. He punched you right here in the neck, but they devastated you. Oh my God, did they hurt.
3: So he was oh, bringing
1: Christ, it. Christ, man, he'd hit you and you're damn, you wouldn't be able to lift your arm. You know, it just go dead. it's was like, God damn, that's after one. What the <laughs> fuck am I going to do? So I knew I didn't want to get none of them. So I told George, I said, man, let's really fuck with the people. So he bought into that. And I told him, I said, I want you to slam me 10 times. What? Slam me 10 times. And he thought about it. And he go, yeah. Hell yeah. I'll do that. Well, what did I do? Each time he slammed me, I got heavier i didn't help him as much <laughs> so the bottom line was he slammed me seven times because he couldn't pick me up again
3: uh, he, so he, he was gassed
1: he, he was gassed <laughs> so what was i able to do there i was able to take him down the mat and beat the shit out of him and do anything i wanted to
3: is he and cursing I kind of, you
1: i backdoored his ass man <laughs>
3: Is he just cursing you the whole time?
1: Yeah, yeah. You fucking got me, kids. You fucking got me. He, oh yeah. But he still had he still had enough left before the end of the match to throw a couple of those goddamn waffles into my neck. Oh goddamn, they hurt, man. I, I miss old George, man. He was he was a good guy to be around, man. We made a few road trips together.
3: Man, I don't know what I was expecting whenever I asked for a George story, but that was a hell of a good one.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's
3: fun, man. Well, Dave Cates asks, did you ever work with Ricky Morton in a one-on-one match?
1: Not one-on-one. We had some tag matches. It was me and the Barbarian. This is John Nord before he became Berserker. And He was green as shit, man. And uh, we we had to wrestle the Rock and Roll Express quite a bit in Mid-South. And uh, real quick, both of the Rock and Rollers came to me and said, Jake, Please, please, please do not tag him in the ring. He's hurting us. <laughs> I mean, he would do shit like he would slam him in the corner and then go to the opposite corner and try to do the macho man elbow.
3: Oh, my God. You know, all the way across the ring. Could he make it? Yes. Wow. But he what landed
1: athlete. on them. <laughs> he crushed them, man. He was, he was breaking ribs and shit. Holy shit. But they begged me, don't let him in the ring. So I told them, I said, all right, guys, I'll keep him out of the ring for the most part, but you guys better not do one of those bullshit high spots where you got me chasing both of you because they were real bad about doing that. You know, they'd do the quick tag and you'd go to grab one the other one grabbed grab you from behind. You wouldn't know it. And they'd blow your ass up doing that shit. Mm-hmm. So we'd make it through three-fourths of the match before one of them would do that. But then I'd reach over and tag Nord, and I had to be real careful because the second time he ever tagged me, he broke my thumb.
3: Holy shit!
1: Just tagging me broke my thumb. This
3: dude's a wrecking ball. No
1: shit, man. <laughs> so from then on, I turned my hand over backwards, you know, so he had to slap the top of my hand. <laughs> my fingers would bend, you know.
3: And then he'd just go after the rock he and, Roll go and
1: just kill him, man. And I'd be laughing my ass off. <laughs>
3: That's cool and you know we shared a photo there a second ago of ricky morton uh he's still he's still doing it man uh, how how blown oh, yeah. away are you seeing him still work today
1: oh I, no doubt in my mind i mean hell if i was able i'd still be able to out there do it you know that's just the love of the business you know he's not out there doing things that he couldn't do 50 20 25 30 years ago but i guarantee he's still throwing a drop kick
3: Still an incredible athlete. I think I saw him do like a Hurricane run at one point. Still, he's oh, just, yeah, he's he's yeah. nothing short of incredible.
1: Insane. Uh,
3: any good stories from when Jake? Uh, I'm sorry, this is from Charles Cousins. Any good stories from when Jake was in the original NWA Legion of Doom?
1: <laughs> well, that was ours, man. You know, we came up with that idea, I did, and uh, Road Warriors, and of course, we had uh, the spoiler. He was part of our team. King Kong Bundy was never a part of our team. Um, but we we tabbed in Georgia Championship Wrestling there for a short period of time, man. And uh, any time you were with the Road Warriors, there were stories. But uh, most of them aren't prime for kids. So, you know, you got pretty ugly, man, pretty quick with the Road Warriors. Uh, at the time, they were uh, – they were supercharged, just say that, you know, and uh, uncontrollable.
3: They I seem like that... guys you'd want to have on your side at the bar, but maybe not guys you'd want to be at the bar with because they'd wind up getting you arrested.
1: Yeah, well, they'd also wind up turning on you, too. They just liked a good fight.
3: We were talking about you as a referee earlier. Yeah. Uh, did anybody ever try to take, not even necessarily just as a ref, did anybody ever try to take any liberties with you in the ring? And if so, how would you handle yeah.
1: it? you got to handle it with fire, man and uh you gotta call her bluff and and usually that's what it is the is bluff uh, there was a, a fellow named Brett buzz sawyer that used to be bad about that i remember buzz yeah and he tried uh, to do some of that crap with me and i called his bluff and he backed right down but for for a brief moment i didn't know what the hell was going to happen
3: so, from what I've heard, he was like this kind of world-class uh, wrestler. Um, Matt wrestler, amateur wrestler. Yeah, um,
1: that's what he liked to put out there. It was all bullshit.
3: Oh, okay. So, you, you gave him a receipt and he just backed down?
1: Yep. Yep. I gave
3: him a couple of receipts. You're not a small man and certainly weren't back then. You're no. what, six 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 somewhere in there? Six six five soft. Man, it's... 6'6", six, six. <laughs> six, six hard. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think we better end this show on that one.
3: So, all right. Well, let me grab one more and then we'll we'll call all it right. quits here. Um Justin Newcomer asks, how does it feel knowing that what you did in the ring meant so much to so many people throughout the years?
1: Well, here's the thing. I didn't know it. You know, uh for so many years I didn't have a clue, you know, and, and didn't know that the fans felt the way they do about me. And uh not until I was in um the accountability crib and all the people raised money for me to have a surgery. I couldn't believe it. It it blew me away. I cried and cried over that because I didn't think anybody gave a shit about me. And then to hear all this love that was pouring out, man, it just, it really freaked me out. And uh, that was probably part of my, my recovery, man. That was a big, big thing to, to happen in my life. I know my daughter was there when there happened and she was blown away too. And you know, you just, sometimes you just, you're running so hard through life. You don't take time to smell the roses or anything else. You're just fighting for the next day, fighting till the next day, fighting till the next day. And you don't pay attention to what's going on around you. You don't realize that people care and that people support you and people love you. And, um, that's all me, you know, because I was just, you know, I, I was a kid that was battered and bruised and abused and I couldn't see how anybody would care about me. And, uh, it was an enlightening for sure.
3: Man, it's incredible. I see the outpouring all the time online and, uh, you know, it's you, you were a huge part of people's childhoods and people really still yeah. connect with that all these years later. So it just, just blows rewarding. me away,
1: man, it blows yeah. me away.
3: Well, Jake, we'll be doing another one of these sometime yep. soon. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, on the next episode of The Snake Pit, we're looking back to 1985 and a pretty significant moment in your career. Uh, we're talking about you working with Muhammad Ali in Mid-South uh, in Louisiana, I believe, in the Superdome. Is, where it is that the place. one where I
1: knocked him out or is this <laughs> a different
3: one? <laughs> this might be a different one. Okay, but, okay. Uh, but he tried to knock you out, and it didn't quite work. And we're well, going to talk did, about bro. that. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Bill Watts. I love that story. I didn't get knocked out. How about that? Muhammad Ali gave you his best shot. Um, Three be of ta- them. We'll be talking about a guy I know you're not crazy about, Bill Watts. Uh, yeah. Walsamy. No good son of a bitch, fucking asshole. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll talk about Ali's history in pro wrestling and, of course, your personal act- interactions with the greatest of all time. You know, Jake, somebody else who had a pretty close relationship with Ali was a friend of the show, Eric Bischoff, and is yeah. he... Just added, had his second autobiography, Grateful, come out last month. Uh, it's been getting incredible reviews. It's a perfect stocking stuffer for your favorite wrestling fan. So go and get your copy of Grateful now on Amazon or at BischoffBook.com. If you have a question for Jake, you can ask it on Twitter at Snake Pit Pod. Make sure that you check out our YouTube channel at YouTube.com forward slash at Snake Pit Pod. There's no better way to introduce someone to the Snake Pit than by getting them over there to see some of these quick samples and clips of what our show is all about. And while you're there, like, subscribe, and hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the new content that we've got dropping there. Uh, Also, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on all platforms. That helps us out a ton. Cameo! uh, Yes, sir. So Christmas is here, gang, and there's no better gift. Man, it's if you're last minute Christmas shopping, why don't you get some somebody a gift that they will never forget from the pop culture icon himself, Mr. Jake Roberts? Head over to cameo.com forward slash Jake Snake to order yours. And man, if you don't believe me, just check out some of the reviews over there. Watch what Jake has done, He's, he puts a ton of effort into it, right? Jake,
1: that's great, man. I don't give you no 30 seconds, man. I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes, and it's gonna be serious and to the heart.
3: That's that's it, man. Just a reminder: you can get the Snake Pit and all the other shows on in our network early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com, starting at just nine dollars. It's less than fifteen cents an episode each month. Plus, there's tons of bonus content, interactive chats with your favorite hosts and wrestling personalities. And there's much more. Head over to adfreeshows.com today to sign up. You can get Jake over at, on Twitter at Jake Snake DDT on Instagram at Jake the Snake DDT, and on Facebook at Real Jake the Snake. Check out his shop too if you if you want to do some Christmas shop. We've got shop.com What does that say? Uh, the tears tears of, the of my
1: enemies.
3: <laughs> well, it's, uh, you certainly made them back in the day. You were a popular wrestler and uh, one of the top heels <clears throat> around. Um, Thanks, guys. And, all right. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Snake Pit Pod on all social platforms. Jake, another one in the books. Thanks, brother. Thank you, bro.
0: That time of year, boys and girls. Can you believe it? I know I can't. I know what you're thinking. This is gonna be expensive. How am I gonna pay for all this? Have you seen the economy lately? Can we put Christmas on balls? You can't. It's gonna be here sooner rather than you think. And I'm here to help at savewithconrad.com. How's this for starters? No house payments for two months. You're going to have to make a payment in December. You're done until January. And come January, you're going to have a happier new year. Because it'll be with no credit card debt, it'll be with lower monthly payments. We can knock out your car payment, we can get rid of your second mortgage. We can pay off all your credit cards <laughs> we can get you the cash you need to turn your house into your dream home and do it with no money out of pocket. Don't get stressed out about the holidays. Just go to save with Conrad.com right now. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. It just takes a few minutes to get started. NMLS number six, five zero eight, four equal housing lender, serious business. Get a lower monthly payment. Make this the best Christmas ever skip your next two house payments at
3: SaveWithConrad.com.